before we have them start, because I wanted you to get a feel. They had phenomenal weeks our first week in the field, but I wanted you to get a feel for what they were experiencing, any anxieties, any euphoric feelings they had uh, before they went into that. But uh, want to cover while they're thinking about that, I want to cover a couple of things with you. It's been so important about knowing before you go, and I've got some cases here that uh, John and I have both been working on on a new agent, and here's, here are some of the things to look for. For example, um, we have a 39-year-old male and female, and no meds. Uh, he's got some pain medication, but he's a disabled male. And when, when something like that comes up, that requires an immediate call to the underwriter to say, for example, if the disability with some companies is due to a back or a leg injury from the military or something like that, as long as there's no PTSD with it, and they've got a job, a lot of carriers will take that. But if they don't have a job, then you've, there's more underwriting. And I'm only bringing this up with you this morning to remember, when I get this appointment, I need to start calling underwriting. And uh, you can go through the matrices that Equus has put together on their website, go into the um, uh, log on to Equus, and go into Equus Resources. And in the middle of the page, there's about 12 little boxes there that cover different things. One of the ones in the middle is the, uh, I call it a matrix. That they, I don't think they refer to it as that, but it looks like a, it is a matrix of who will take what. So if you've got AFib, you go down the list till you find AFib, then you go across and read who will take it. They also put one together for the, fi or for the mortgage protection products. <laughs> Guys, those should be printed out and be available for you. Not that it's going to give you an all-inclusive answer, but it's going to aim you in the right direction on who to call first. Because let's face it, you know, this is a great opportunity and, but there's some things that need to be done on, on each of our parts. And one of the things that got, really got me encouraged this morning is um, I like to think in terms of elevator speeches just about for everything. So I put the presentation I've done together along that line with power phrases that impact people. And one of the ones that I, I came up with here recently, and for those of you that are building, this is a good one to be thinking about. Equus is a business opportunity that looks and acts like a job until you start to recruit, and then it becomes a business. And, and I say that because uh, Rob Jones was talking about the culture that they put together, and he said, we wanted to create a culture for you to build a company that is yours. So those two comments together really define and bring into focus who and what Equus is. And I think those kind of things can make a big difference for all of us because um, Rob was talking about when he, Rob Jones, on the call this morning, when he looked at the business opportunity for mortgage protection probably 12 or 15 years ago, when he first was exposed to it, he thought, oh my gosh, how can this not work? And that's exactly what happened to me. The guy that actually took me to Barry's office, I would have been underneath him. So he, in essence, would have been the guy that hired me, so to speak, because he was my upline, uh, he's not in the business anymore. And that's a classic example of the guy that hired me reaching down to his warm market, and the warm market's the one that made a fortune in the business, and he's gone. So I am so thankful 
that he took the time to share with me what mortgage protection was at Diversified Brokers, which was Barry's very first company 20 years ago. So that's why when they were talking about you reaching down to the warm market of your recruits, guys, we have not met the biggest producers or the biggest builders at Equus yet. Those people are still out there yet to be found, and wouldn't it be nice if you found one of them? So with that, oh, I also wanted to point out Abraham last week. He went out. He's got two of his three applications already um, written for the Ignite, and I haven't looked to see if Abraham's written another one yet this week, but he's right there. Three people going out the first week and, and either qualifying or almost qualifying for Ignite, so that's great. Well, let me bring... Um, uh, Robert and uh, Alvir on. Robert, I will start with you this morning. And I just wanted to get a feel. When you started dialing, now we told everybody on the call and told you guys that when you make these dials, it works and you'll set appointments. What was your feeling when you set your first appointment versus three or four appointments later when you set those? What was going through your mind? So just starting dialing was hard. It was not easy, and you're a little bit nerv nervous, and there are butterflies in the stomach. And uh, the first couple of guys just hung up, and then I'm just thinking, okay, this is not what I saw from Rob Jones on Friday afternoon. Okay. <laughs> and and then then the call number three comes in, and um, and the guy answers the phone, and he said, and I say, John. He's like, no, this is not John. I'm like thinking, okay, this was not in a playbook. What's going on? Well, can I talk to John, whatever the last name was? He says, no, you cannot. I'm like, may I ask why? Well, he passed away six months ago. So it was a literal dead lead. That was my third call, okay? So I'm like, okay. Uh, I just had, I was thinking of, of, of one of the greatest philosophers of the 20th century, Mike Tyson. So Mike Tyson had a saying. He said, everybody has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. Okay? And I felt I was punched in the mouth, and that was okay. I've been there, done that, and uh, started making the call. So it probably took another half an hour or so. I forget even how many calls. I was just persistent. I was going to make it. I was going to get that my first appointment, and he ended up reaching a, a C lead that submitted an application 18 months ago that nobody talked to him for whatever reason, and we arranged a meeting, and it was great. So also, you know, it's, um, it's, it's, I think it's mental toughness, especially dealing with some older leads. At one point, I had 42 dials without anybody answering the phone. And I'm sure that happens a lot, but... It happened to me for the first time. So I'm just shaking my head. I'm like, okay, 42 times. I call my father-in-law just to make sure the phone works. He answered the phone, okay, phone's good. Okay, I'm going back now, okay? So it's, it's like um, it's going to be some challenges. It's hard. Uh, you know, don't give up. Just keep pounding it. I think Pete and, and Dick and many others just mentioned it's a numbers game. It is a numbers game especially dealing with B and C's leads, it's much harder than dealing with A leads, but you just got to persevere and, and go, go through the process. So that's, that's on my call side, Dick. 
Well, I tell you what, I have written down that Mike Tyson quote, and that's going to be part of who I am. I love that. Thank you very much. Let me ask you this. Um, when you first started dialing, uh, we see the butterflies, and because um, I kept talking to you throughout the day. Well, I got five appointments, and I talked to you either later in the day or the next day, and, well, I, I made three more. You didn't limit your time to, quote, the time to dial. You were just dialing constantly. Uh, run, tell us a little bit about that. So I was just – my plan was just try many different things and, and really see what sticks. So I invested into B and Cs, and I also did place a standing order for As. And as soon as the A leads came in, I, as soon as I got them in the email, I, I went and called them, whether it was 11.30 or 2.30, didn't matter. And uh, those were very pleasant conversations. Nobody's dead there, okay? And, and people are very receptive. So uh, I, I would say it's probably 50% conversion on the A leads, and it happens very quickly. So uh, it was just a combination. It was just grinding through the old ones and then attacking A leads at the same time. I'm going to jump over to Elvira here in a second, but I wanted to ask you, as you went through these leads, how did you feel that your skill level improved, say, the first hour versus the fifth hour of dialing? Did you notice or feel any different in that? Yes. So, so when I started, I had a script in front of me, and I, I kind of like followed the script, and after an hour or so, the first time I even abandoned that, it just came naturally. And, and you just get into the flow. You lock the door. The kids are not, not jumping on you, and you just keep, keep smiling and dialing. And, and uh, people are rude. Uh, it's, it's their problem. I'm not taking it personally, but there, a lot of people just hang up on you for whatever reason. Some people cannot be helped. It's too bad. Next. And just go. That's excellent. Um, you know, because the skill level, and, and a lot of times agents will tell me this, you know, when I was making my dials this week, I realize now there were a number of people that if I'd have talked to them this week instead of my first week, I would have set an appointment just because my skill level is better. And I think, uh, Robert, you've, you've validated that. Elvira, let me ask you this. Uh, you're welcome to, to comment on what the dialing is like your first week, if you like. But I'd like, also like to ask you this. How did you feel after you got your first appointment? What nervous energy popped into your mind like, now what do I do? What was that like? Well, that's, that's a very, very good question. I think kind of going back to uh, uh, the question about what I felt about dialing and uh, my first dials, I remember I was sitting there uh, in my office and I got all these leads in front of me and I see all these names and, and you know, first thing that comes in my mind is doubt and it just starts taking over and they're like, well, they're not going to answer or, or um, just go ahead and call. And 90% and, and of it for me was the mental thing. I had to literally, okay, just, just dial, just, just go ahead and do it, you know, and then you, you, you dial once and, and then no answer, and then you dial 50 times, no answer, and then you're like, Jesus, you know, what's, what's going on here? And, and then finally you get somebody on the call and, and you start going down the script and, and you, you're following it like a robot, and they're like, no, I'm not interested. And you're like, okay, okay, and then you're not ready for that. And, 
so you, you kind of keep doing it, and, and like Rob said, you know, you, you keep calling, and, and, and you just, you just kind of keep going. But it's it, it, 90% of it for me was my mental capacity. I literally had to talk myself into it. Nobody, I mean, not even the leads were um, um, the, the issue. It was me. It was me getting in the mindset to do it because I already prejudged somebody before I even called. So, <clears throat> so that being said, I got my first appointment. I was so excited. Um, you know, the, the guy was really, really nice on the phone. It was a, it was a $1 lead, and uh, um, I was like, okay, I'm excited. I told my wife I, I, got, I got an appointment, and uh, I called Pete. I got an appointment, and he's like, well, when did you set it? And I said, Monday, and it's five days away. He's like, what are you doing, man? <laughs> That's not when you're supposed to set it. You're supposed to set it in, like, you know, two to three days out. And I was like, oh, okay, well, at least I got an appointment, so I feel comfortable and uh, but I had no idea what I was going to do. So I was like, well, I got some medication, you know, I got some of this. I mean, um, at that point, I didn't even know, you know, what plan to write. I have no idea. I mean, I just know I got an appointment. This is what I have in front of me. And I'm like, okay, Pete, well, what do I do next? You know, what, what do I what do I have to do next? So now the next nervousness comes into play. So now I'm even more nervous than I was when I started dialing. Um, so now this doubt comes back into my mind. Well, they're not going to buy because you don't know enough. So again, that, that mindset it keeps coming back, right? And, and once it starts amplifying, it literally puts you in a box where you, you, you prejudge yourself, you predetermine the customer before even um, you know, going out there or even having a plan in place, if that makes sense. No, it makes all the sense in the world. And the reason we're having you guys do this what you've experienced and what you're, you're verbalizing here is what everyone on this call has experienced. The only difference is your activity did not falter. When you got punched in the mouth, you know, you, the plan you had didn't change much because you were so dedicated to making this work that your activity drove you on. Uh, I think it's funny because... Uh, you're right. When most people start calling, they're thinking, oh, they won't answer. They won't make the appointment. Those things are running through your head. Uh, why is that? I don't know. But it just, I guess, normal. It just is one of those things that happens. But I'm, the reason we ask you to be on the call today is your activity didn't falter. People talk about Brandon Hall being an animal when it comes to selling. No, he's a good salesman, but you can't outwork him. I mean, he puts in so much activity and... Now, if we had Brandon on here and he would tell you that, nobody would believe it because he sells so much. But I wanted to tie what Brandon does with what these guys do through activity. Yes, Brandon's a good salesperson. There are other people in the company that are as good or better, but they don't make as much money as Brandon because of all the activity he puts in. And that's what you're seeing here with these guys. They had the same anxiety you did. I do have a question for you, Elvira. What role did preparation play in your success that first week? Because you and I strategized several cases. Oh, yeah, uh, absolutely. absolutely. I mean, you know, once, once I got a hold of you and we kind of talked about different appointments I have, you know, set, and you're telling me, okay, well, get term, you know, for this amount and return a premium. So, you know, I got all that, and I got my notes, and uh, I remember my first, you know, the night before I had to go, uh, you know, do my appointments the next day, I was up till about 2.30 in the morning, and, um, you know, my, my wife was coming down, and she's like, what are you doing? I'm like, 
I'm trying to understand this term and plan right stuff, and, and I really don't understand it, and I've read it like 50 times, and okay, well, let me try it again. And, and, and I was up till 2.30 of, you know, you know, preparing myself, getting the, the, the information, getting the four, you know, four square presentation down and, um, and understanding it and doing it by myself. So, you know, I, I, you know, I like to over-prepare if possible, but you can't really prepare yourself, um, you know, fully. So you just kind of do as much as you can. And, uh, you know, I, I, I believe, you know, the, the quote that I usually go by, we usually said back, you know, where I used to work is, you know, if it's meant to be, it's up to me. It's, it's nobody else. And, and, and it was up to me to get prepared and, and know what I needed to know and, and, you know, follow the five C's and get prepared. And, and you know what, I went to my appointment and, 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 I, and I bombed it. I mean, it was horrible. But, um, you know, I, I went out there and I was, even though I didn't sell anything that day on my first appointment, I was, I was, I was relieved because I went out there and I gave it 120% of my capability at that time. And then I took notes of what I, what I did wrong. And then my next appointment, I tried to improve, you know, and that's where that, that, you know, fixed mindset versus the growth mindset comes into place. You don't put yourself in the box because you fail. You, you, you grow and you consistently keep looking at, okay, this is the things that I did wrong. Let me improve on that. And then you try to improve on it, but you still fail, but then you try to improve on it again. It's a never-ending process. Um, and, and I try to, you know, prepare and plan as much as I can, but you can only do as much, so much, but you need to go out there and actually experience it and, and, and learn from it. You know, that's so important, and I hope everybody made note of that, that I took notes on what I did wrong. The sales presentation that we put together, that has been built on just that principle, what didn't work and what did work. And, Robert, I'm going to ask you in just a second what role did preparation play for you. But I want to point out to you that that's why it's so important for you to mentally understand before you show them the numbers that you sell the concept. And I know, guys, you're going to get probably sick and tired of me selling this concept of full mortgage, partial mortgage, and critical period. But until you get that down, you're going to be marginally successful because that's what, that's what makes the difference. That's why when we go into the house and we write a critical period for $10,000 that's going to make eight or ten months worth of house payments, if you get that down and understand it to the point that you can convey that to the client, it makes all the, change, all the difference in the world. Um, Robert, what role did preparation play for you? Because you and I strategized a lot of your cases. Yeah, we definitely did. Uh, you know, back in the days, 20, 25 years ago, when I could still run and jump, I used to play basketball, and I was very competitive. And my coach always said, the practice should be harder than the game. And that's how we did it back. And I think Alvin and I actually come from the same same neck of the woods. I, I Grew up in a country called, called former Yugoslavia. Uh, his name, Bojdarovic, sounds like he's from Bosnia, right, Albert? Okay, maybe he's on mute. That is, no, no, that is absolutely true. I mean, yeah, he used to be Yugoslavia, but you know, we, we can talk about that later. <laughs> yeah, we can talk about it later. So, but it, it, it all comes down to the preparation, and, and uh, you know, I – I didn't have any experience about uh, insurance, and you know, two months ago, I really didn't know the difference between term and whole life. And my my uh, strategy was just keep it simple, stupid. The whole kiss 
key strategy. And, uh, you know, I talked to Dick a few times, and I kind of settled on, on a four-play gameplay for me, okay? So in basketball terms, you're going to have that half-court shot. It's, it's really a home run shot. Everybody wants those shots. It makes you feel good, but it's a lower probability shot. And in my mind, that is the, the uh, 20-year ROP, okay, for people under 50 years old. And uh, you want to have that in your playbook. Everybody gets excited about the money back. It's very expensive. But if you can nail one, great. That's a half-court shot. The second one is a three-pointer, and that will be your full mortgage protection, whatever that number is, 50000 125000 I would, I would always have that in the mind, and, and I, would, uh, I would start from that number because you always want to anchor somebody to something that, that they desire to have, but maybe the price might be too high. Then the second one is what I call a free, free throw, which is more of a partial protection. So if you know, 100000 uh, is their mortgage, but maybe they could afford only fifty, uh, that is, that is the, the, the free throw. And then a layup is a critical protection, which uh, what I've written so far, it's mostly layups, but it's, it, it really helps people. And whether it ends up being a, a level policy or graded policy almost does not matter. They appreciate that a lot, and it gives them that peace of mind, six, nine, 12 months critical coverage, and uh, you get approved while, while, you're in, while you're in the house, so everything, everything just flows from that. So half-court, three-pointer, free-throw, and a layup. You know what's the, funny. Yeah, the IULs, the IULs, it's still too complicated for me. I'm a little slow, okay? I know it's a cool product. I'm not up there yet, so I'm not even talking about it. I'm just trying to keep it simple. Well, it's interesting you say that because in all the years I've done this, I've written a, hand of, a handful of IULs in 20 years, and the reason being is our clients sent this letter back for one reason and one reason only. If he doesn't come home because of a car wreck or heart attack, we don't want her and the kids to have to lose the house and move. That's the simplest thing, and that's why if we that, – that's the mindset of our client. It's middle America. They're not looking for some, something fancy. They're looking for something that's simple. And not doing blood work is part of the simplicity. If you die, we pay. If you don't die – you know, if, you, if we're looking at return of premium, you get your money back. That simplicity is very, very important to our clients. So that, that is really great. But it's, it's interesting. When you very first started talking, I don't know why this popped into mind. I was not a very good basketball player. And uh, I couldn't jump. I'm not real tall. And I had trouble dribbling. So, you know, I, I had, had some issues here. And I remember one day we were, I was talking to the coach, and he, I said, why do you have everybody practice the layup over and over and over? Because that's the easiest shot to make. It's about the only one I could make. And he said, because when you're in the game and you get the ball and you've got a chance for a fast break, he said, I don't want you thinking about anything except putting that ball in the hoop. He said, I don't want you running down the floor thinking, do I use my left hand? Do I shoot on my right hand? Do I jump with my left foot, put my right hand? He said, I want you thinking about anything. I just want you going, and it's natural and normal. And um, that's, that's the way we want you doing this insurance. That's why it's so important to understand critical period. It's, it's important that you understand, 
you know, don't try to sell them on ROP because if they think you think that's the most uh, valuable product or the best product out there and they can't afford it, they won't buy anything. Now, they're not going to tell you, well, I really think uh, that return of premium is the best product, but I can't afford it, so we're not going to buy anything. They're not going to tell you that. What they're going to tell you is we have to think about it because they don't want to be embarrassed that they're not buying the, most, the best product because they can't afford it. So whenever you see me do my presentation, guys, you cannot tell which product or which plan I think is the best. And that's why. Um, let me ask both of you this, and I'll start with you, Robert. Uh, you called me several times for the, from the home. Uh, what did that do for you when we did that interview from the home, and what do you think it did for the client? So definitely it was very helpful for me. I still don't, don't know what I'm doing. So with your experience, that was definitely huge help. But I also saw in clients' eyes that, uh, you know, my reputation went up because I reached out to somebody who knows what they're talking about. I didn't try to freestyle it. I was very open with them. I said, I'm going to call a guy who's been in business for 25 years and saw every possible case, and we're going to try to help you out. And just us reaching out, and then Nick always comes up with a little story to relate to the person within 30 seconds, and that works well. And, uh, and, uh, and then the issue is addressed right there. Uh, recommendation is made, and then we just proceed. So I think, I think clients um, really, really appreciate it that day. Um, you know, developing that relationship with you and I and me and the client, and... Uh, Guys, it's important, and, and Robert did this on every case. Um, most of the cases he ran were in Cincinnati. Well, I'm from Cincinnati. But if he would have said Dallas, I have, I've got something that I can connect with him. I have a, a cousin that played for the Dallas Cowboys. You know, so every, it's very important for us to kind of know a little, just a smidgen of, uh, about them, so that's important. Um, yeah. Um, Elvira, how do you feel? Because I've talked to you a couple of times in the home. How do you feel? What impact did that have for you and your clients? Well, I think, to be honest with you, it actually had more impact on me than it did the clients because I, it kind of opened my eyes on, on, you know, I didn't know what I didn't know, so to speak. And uh, like I said, you know, I'm so new at this and I've never been in the insurance field, and um, it, it it opened my eyes to okay. Well, there's a lot of things that I missed, and and uh, and uh, and then also seeing the interaction just over the phone with with Dick, with you and and the customer. Yeah, you you talked about the product, but mostly what you did, you you tried to relate to them and and understand them, and and just ask questions that are a little bit outside of of uh, you know the the product in general. I mean you. You related to them, and you uh, you would just ask them questions about their you know families and and you know uh, what he does for a living and how you know you know how he does it and you know you, you did you spent more time talking to them than you did anything else even the product um, and and that's where that trust comes in so like I said for me it 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 opened my eyes up more and 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 you made me understand that. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm in their house to to help them and and uh, you know give them term and everything else and, and get them protected. But more than anything, it was it was trying to 
understand them, get them, you know, to open up and get them to trust. So that first time I called you, to me, it was it was an eye opener. I was like, okay, um, they're not buying the product; they're actually buying me as a, as a human being before they even buy the product. Would each of you say, well, how what would your answer to this and, and a slight uh, comment on this? How would you say that? the relationship you built with the client was probably the most how important was that in that sale and then how did the relationship of your mentor with them how did that impact things uh robert why don't you grab that one first i'm, I'm sorry dick i got distracted by two kids jumping on me here can you repeat that <laughs> i have six children i know what that's like how important would you say that the relationship that you develop with a client in the first few minutes, coupled with the relationship I developed with them, um, both in the home and my relationship with you in strategizing the case, how would you say what impact did that have for you? So it's, uh, it's invaluable. And uh, I would say for, for uh, strategizing and, and just trusting each other, we're going to do the best that we can under, under the tools that we have. And we're going we're gonna to do the right for the client. And every time, you know, when I, when I walk into that appointment, I'm not even talking about the policy. It's always the first 10, 15 minutes is, is that connection. You know, what do we have in common? I mean, it's, it's, it's been really fun for me to see all kinds of, diverse America in my first 10 days. I absolutely love it. It was like uh, two days ago, I literally went from an appointment when, you know, one guy was, was an NRA member and he had a no Obama sticker on his pickup truck. And then an hour later, I'm in downtown Cincinnati with a guy wearing Ohio for Obama shirt. Okay. So it's all kinds of people, but diversity is really great. Both of those people were, were worried about the same thing. What happens if I don't show up tomorrow because of some crazy driver or unexpected illnesses? So we've got to embrace the diversity, love it, and help people out. And I think understanding where they're coming from, what they're all about. And for me, even before talking about life insurance, my number one question is, why did you submit this form? And I just let them let them loose from there. And if if it's an emotional connection, well, I was worried what's going to happen to my wife if I die. That that could be very very impactful. If the guy go and says, well, I was just curious. That's that's a low probability sale in my mind after what I've experienced so far. I might be wrong, Donna. I'm still learning. No, but you are absolutely <laughs> accurate on that. I was just curious, but I will say this to you. I won't let them slide off of that. No, no, no. I know you were curious, but if we're not able to help you, what happens to your wife? Mm -hmm. You know, I, I, I'll drive it down just one more layer back. Because I used to get the saying, that, well, I was just curious. I just wanted a price, and I was dead in the water because I didn't know what to say. You know, well, that happened yeah, yeah. a couple of three times. I figured that out real quick. You know, curiosity would never be enough to make me fill that out and walk to the mailbox. There was more to it. There is, boy, I'm glad you said that because that's, that's like that knee-jerk reaction when you walk into a retail store, may I help you? No, I'm just looking. So when we ask that question, always be prepared for this. 
I just was curious. Mm -hmm. But that's why you have to be in a position, and this needs to be practiced, to go one step further. No, 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 I know that, but what was important to you? How would life look? You know, I, I got to share this story. We have an acquaintance that lost his wife recently. And for whatever reason, he was convinced that she wasn't going to die of this cancer, and it wasn't looking good. So when it came time to renew the policy, it, was, it turned out in November, it became an ART, and of course the price quadrupled. And he let it lay on his decks for a couple weeks, and he thought, you know what, if, yeah, and, and price was an issue there, but he thought, I believe she's going to, to beat this cancer. And he felt like he was displaying lack of faith if we renewed the policy. And he didn't. And she died in March. And it was a half million dollars, and that would have changed his life a lot. And we have people make decisions like that every day because they don't have people like us to help them in this process. So, guys, we do play a big role in people's lives. Um, Elvira, how do you feel that the developing of the relationships both with the client and with, say, me, and, and I think as I strat I was the one to strategize most of you guys' cases, I think, for the week. How do you feel like that impacted the trust between you and the client, you and me, and me and the client? Um, I, think, I think for me, um, the, there was the one call that Pete did uh, the, the other day about he was talking about, um, you know, car sales, because I come from the high-end luxury car sales and stuff like that. And, and uh, after, after, you know, watching you with the customer and Pete doing that call, something, I think I had an epiphany. Um, something clicked. Something literally just, like, woke up and, 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 and told me, you have the tool sets. You've been doing this, uh, you know, for years. You know you can do this. It's not different all you really got to do is just connect with them and, and understand, you know, what, you know, understand their current situation. So, and, and that's kind of what, what I want to tell you is the fact that when you did that call and then Pete kind of iterated on, you know, trying to connect with the customer, I started doing it a little different. I was like, okay, well, I know how to do this. Um, so I started connecting with the people. Um, and then one of the ways you can connect that, that I did was, and kind of like Robert said, was, you know, why did you fill this out? You know, my go-to um, sayings is when, when, you know, we sit down and we kind of chit-chat a little bit and kind of some small talk, you know, I'll pull out the piece of paper and I ask them, okay, so when you're filling this out, you know, what are you trying to achieve by when you were trying, when you fill this out? So, and, and that kind of bypasses the, the question of, well, I was curious. Well, no, that, that, that's not what I was asking. I was like, what are you trying to achieve with this, right? So that kind of relates to them as, you know, protecting a loved one or somebody passed away. So about 90% of the time people say, well, it, you know, I want to protect, you know, in case my, my husband passed away or my loved one passed away. So at that point, I already know, you know, I'm getting buying signals. They already understand. So, and, and I keep, fact-finding, kind of like I did before, I keep fact-finding and understanding, you know, what their situation is and, and um, you know, how does it make us feel? Because from my previous job, you know, I, when I was talking to somebody, I would paint a picture because people think in pictures, 
um, I would paint the picture of happiness. And, you know, they would buy a $200,000 car. Why would somebody buy a $200,000 car? Because it makes them feel, you know, happy. But when it came to insurance in my world, I, I, I was able to paint a picture of sadness with words. And, and if somebody does pass away, what are you really going to do? What are you trying to achieve? It's not the money. The money is really not the point. It's, it's being able to uh, not worry about the payments, not worry about the house. You know, you're going to be grieving. And, and the money at the end of the day is not that important to a certain extent. People would literally give their arms and legs to get their loved ones back. So it's not the money. It's, it's the understanding of protecting somebody so you don't have to worry about it later so you can grieve. Folks, I hope everybody took a lot of notes today. I'm really glad we have this recorded. Um, you've seen here what activity can do and what connecting can do. And I want to point out something to you. We had a lot of sales made last week by a lot of existing agents and new agents, and I never had as many calls from all of you together as I had from these two men here. And look at the results they got because of the activity they put in. They put in the activity to get punched in the nose and the gut and kept going. 